0: inside information on your teams, honest opinion, and the biggest names in sports. It's time, Las Vegas, for the Playmakers.
1: Working so hard that we didn't even have time to finish our pregame fruit snacks, people. We are so dedicated to the sports, the Playmakers. That is what we do. That is who we are. We are the vibe. Over across the glass for me is Adrienne Hernandez wearing, what kind of hat today? It says S.
2: An S for Supreme. You know, I'm one of them cool kids. I, I don't think Supreme's that cool anymore.
1: But What is Supreme?
2: The fashion brand.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, I was gonna yeah. Say the, it kind of like, looks
1: like an Incredibles logo or something like that. I just
2: try to bring some drip uh, as opposed to you. You bring a lot of drip, so I feel like I have to compliment you. Yeah. You know what I mean? We got to come into these studios. Put That's in fair. some work.
1: You got to match the energy.
2: Exactly. You got to match the
1: dedication.
2: Uh, Lindsay, I would like to tell you uh, as we start the show, happy 2222 two, two, two. Two day.
1: You as well. Uh, it's a oh, big deal, right? It, it is for some people. I mean, uh, I don't know if anybody's noticed their Instagram feeds if they partake in said app, but I find fewer and fewer pictures of my friends in the feed and more and more of. Uh, but it depends on your algorithm, right?
2: Like the poems? Yeah,
1: like the poems. Let's just say we were going through a little bit of a deeper, darker time about a month ago. A lot was uh, mental health, self-help stuff. And now, sometimes like 333, three, three, manifest your number, 666. Six, six. No, not that number. Trust do and- <laughs> not Yeah, please. Don't do that one. <laughs> no 666. No, six. No. Lindsay, are you
2: trying to tell us something? No. I want you to trust and have faith in where you are being guided to. Is
1: two, that two, what it two, is? 2222
2: is your reminder, Lindsay, to be patient.
1: Wow! I want you to stay
2: focused, but also try to stop thinking about what's missing in your life.
1: Oh my goodness! <laughs> what are you on co-star right now? <laughs> and
2: be grateful for what you do have. Be present. Be kind, and find balance.
1: That's hard to do.
2: Take it slow. What's the rush?
1: Yo, I love taking the long way in life. I, I honestly do. I I've, I take
2: rainbow every day to get here.
1: Yeah, I've made a concerted effort to change multiple aspects of my lifestyle. I mean since I moved here I mean that was a pretty big change but even in the last 6 months or so and even just in the last couple of weeks because intentionality is is a important part of life and it's been missing in mind for for periods of time and so I don't take really highways around here because, first of all, it's psychotic to drive, and second of all, I, I don't have to be anywhere at like eight or nine in the morning. Like, I can kind of slow roll my day. So, but
2: I, you're up early a lot, I, according I, to your I, IG. I,
1: yes, I am up early a lot. I got uh, just one Remy cycle in last night, just a good quick two hour nap because I was just vibing after the the Golden Knights win last night, reuniting with some of my friends and uh just all the energy that's happening so I got up at like five I was up at Red Rock to watch sunrise over Calico by six forty-five when it came over and then I drove back home then I shower kind of do my whole thing I walked to the grocery store get my groceries that I need aka like a gallon of milk every two days and another box of Cocoa Pebbles and made myself like a breakfast burrito and got my stuff together and then I rolled into here like and I know that that's a luxury that's afforded to very few people and, and people try to create little pot havens for themselves in their life. But, you know, I was I was working till like one in the morning last night. And so I, I got to take times where I can and I encourage other people to try to find different ways to slow down and and walk to the grocery store instead of stop by on your way home. Like just that, like just a little disruption can go a long way. Uh, especially for me, who's someone who really relies on routine and is also anti-routine. It just it's a weird time and it's an exciting time in the world of sports and uh, and an emotional time. so it's it's important to take uh, the space to process things and to really just let yourself be because I, it's so easy to just get caught up in the moment, caught up in the next day, the next hour, and then all of a sudden you blink and, oh, it's twenty twenty or twenty thirty three and it's March third. Yeah, no, years, you, you know. you
2: definitely got to find some peace wherever you can, even if it's just one second.
1: Just one single second. But we do have many seconds. In our two-hour show today, we have another guest-filled lineup. A.J. Perez from Front Office Sports is going to join us to talk more about the Brian Flores lawsuit and what's come out from other coaches uh, and their experiences today. We're going to talk about the Golden Knights victory over the Buffalo Sabres last night. I have a note card to share, as well as some All-Star updates, which includes Jonathan Marshall, who's going to be included on said All-Star roster. More deets at the end of this hour. Uh, Second Hour of the program, we got the Washington Commanders question mark for footies the Footballs. Trista Crick from BetMGM Tonight joins us to talk basketball, and then she went off uh, beat a little bit and talked positively about the Minnesota Vikings, and so naturally I was like, what? And then uh, we'll wrap up our show, uh, fittingly, with the National Girls and Women in Sports Day, which is uh, apparently today. I just posted a picture on my Instagram. Uh, I'll be going live on that in, in a few minutes as well, but... Uh, I'll save all my sappy or not-so-sappy stories about how impactful sports have been in my life and everything. So that basically gives us the summary of what to expect on today's Playmakers. But we lead off the show with the can opener. Uh, we don't do corn because Adrian doesn't like the the taste or the, Still the haven't texture. Had it. Still haven't uh, had can of worms, not really a thing because they all dry out and die. There's no moisture around here, especially with how windy it is uh, around the desert today. But can of whoop-ass, this is incredibly fitting for today because last night I was reading this article about the college football recruiting landscape, and it was one of the crazier stories that I've read in a hot freaking minute.
2: Thank you for sharing.
1: Yes, and uh, we're going to get into it, but not really because we go super surface level. We want to talk about the concepts, but not necessarily about what is in this very, very expansive article, again, on The Athletic. And most of it centers around the concept of photo shoots. This is a new thing that's being featured for, well, pretty much any school that's worth a damn has to do this now because one coach said one day, you know you know how we can differentiate ourselves in the recruiting world? Let's try to give these guys uh, some pictures with our jersey on. They'll throw it up on the IG. We'll get some likes. We'll get some shares. It's great marketing. But guess what? Once the Jones start doing things, the rest of us got to keep up. And now this has morphed into like this – Uh, machine that nobody knows how to run and no one nobody is definitely paid enough to read the manual
2: and the props are unlimited for these photo shoots
1: yes and now with basically open season on so many different areas of college athletics it really paints a, a picture for how things are changing so quickly and the big time holes where people could fall through and how transient the recruiting process is, as well. I, this wasn't the only article I read about college football last night, because naturally I just kind of go down the rabbit hole. And I was reading, you know, a bunch of the anonymous uh, recruiters and coaches, and they're grading each other. Who who do they compete with? Is is the hardest to recruit against? All of that stuff, and there seems to be a real shift into performative recruiting, and to an extent where these photo shoots have become. Like, the main dish of the entire recruiting visit. Like, if you're on an official, if you're on an unofficial, sometimes if you're, you know, that recruit or you're on a team with that recruit, your your three-star buddy could get jerseys and photo shoots just so we could recruit your buddy. You know, it's absolutely wild. And instead, you're getting caught up in this, this photo shoot for two, three hours with, like, horses and Bentleys and Rolls Royces and watches and all of these things uh, we missed the academic advisory meeting. We didn't check out the cafeteria. For, uh, it was like a twenty-minute walk through the facility. The equipment guy wasn't there because we were twenty minutes late, and so.
2: What type it, of offense or defense? Correct. You know, anything about the actual game?
1: Correct. And obviously, there's um, a few footnotes in this article as well, where it gives examples of previous recruits and their families. Where there's this one kid ha- had you know in the in the uniform, his dad is in matching stuff. On the recruiting visit. Now, I don't like to judge people, Adrian, because ultimately, what do we say about the trebuchet and the glass houses, right? But when it comes to this stuff, when it comes to, is it vicariously or vicariously living through someone? I think it's vicariously. And living through your children. Very few dynamics are more toxic. And sometimes the kid is fine. But when I see stuff like that, and even if it's fine, there's 10 other examples of that exact dynamic that are not fine, that we're not seeing. And this type of environment is fostered by this hyper promotional, hyper individualized professionalization, just like we talk about on this program all but it of is. the time.
2: It is professional.
1: Yes, it is now. It absolutely is. This NIL money is changing the game completely, but that's after you get the kids in the door. And so, there's only so many hours in the day for these coaches to recruit. And also, college coaches don't run everything. Who do you think sets up the tripods? Probably not the coaches. Who do you think sets out the snack stuff? Probably not the coaches. Who do you think probably puts out all the uniforms and different cleat options and socks and all all support staff? All support staff. Probably some SID student. Uh, trying to work off their federal loans and then a couple people who just graduated uh, two years ago that played sports themselves and are still trying to figure out how to make their life in the second chapter. Like, And ultimately, the billing department falls on those people. Whether it's time or compensation for their time, things are getting a little bit out of hand. I disagree. Really?
2: No, honestly, because so... And this is also multifaceted, like with the students and the support staff and them getting proper pay or just like I could very easily see a coach. He doesn't care about the mechanics of, OK, so my conference rival had a Bentley. We need to get the Lambo on the field for the photo shoot. And can you just get this done, please? You're my assistant. Please get it done. Yeah. And there's a lot that goes into it. So I know that that's unfair for them. But this is a part of the game now. This True. is this is professional sports. And. You have to do whatever you can, and some of it is surface level, and that's okay. Like, that's fine. This is is where we're at, where that is an important aspect, where these kids need to know what's the difference for me getting into the NFL compared to everyone else. It may be that my social media is popping, therefore I may have more eyeballs from recruits and different staffs from the NFL going to visit these games. Like, this is all a part of why you have the best equipment, the workout staff, uh, the, the best facilities for mm. the players, and all these things. And this is just a part of it. And for once, like, the the power is in the players' hands. And the thing with the parents, too.
1: Well, the power is kind of still in the Power Five conferences' hands because ultimately no, that's a, you're true. at your disposal of your budget and not everybody's operating with the same budget. And so I, what worries me about it is, and this isn't a problem that just came up, is when I was getting recruited. And when you're having these conversations with coaches and they're laying out the expectations for you and you're asking them for expectations so you know what you're walking into, playing, time, workout, expectations, what have you, that stuff seems to be going by the wayside. That stuff seems to be getting cut out of the budgetary allotment for time. And if people are focusing too much on the shiny bells and whistles, sometimes they don't notice that the engine has already been stolen. And that's ultimately who lives with that, the recruits, right? Yeah. It's the players. And like I said, there's been plenty of people swindled into programs that said they were going to play or that this was going to happen, and then somebody else recruited. Like, I walked into CNA's thinking that I was the only goalie recruited, and then I got to freshman orientation group, and my competition was right there. And I met her right at that moment, and that she existed. And she's one of my best friends ever. But things get – Very, very diluted in these meetings, especially with with the level of competition that we're talking about, the scarcity complex, the dollars that have been exchanging, and obviously the very, very unregulated environment in which all of this exists. I, I get worried because there's bigger potholes for people to fall down. But then again, now we have the ability to buy better reinforced shoes. Like you said, this is professional business athletics now.
2: And I think, like, when you're talking about recru- recruits and the coach talking to you about, you know, actually playing and not some fancy photo shoot, I would hope that most of these players, especially when we're talking about Power 5 conference-level recruits and top players like that, that they, they're they taking what coaches are saying in terms of playing time and things like that with a half grain of salt. Like, I don't think that they're under the impression that everything he says about, oh, you're going to play – a 100% truth because, honestly, oh, at this point... They,
1: they won't, but the thing is is that they're not taking it for truth. They're taking it for proof. So when you get sat, they'll say, this is not what happened. And I got news for people who are, who are athletes that are getting recruited. If your coach is guaranteeing you playing time, you're not going to the right program. You're not going to the right program. Anybody that automatically expects... Uh, to walk on and, and just true. go right away, even if you are literally the bee's freaking knees, you cannot have that attitude. At least outwardly, Joe Burrow showed up a week early to make sure he wasn't uh, lagging ass and conditioning, and he was first place. That's the attitude you have to have.
2: No, and and that's hundred. You're hundred percent right. And when people think they're expected things like that, um, I do think with NIL and like look at Lincoln Riley. What he's been able to do, were essentially, and we don't know, oh, it might yeah. have been a package deal, guy, right? Yeah, um, where just Oklahoma. yeah, Oklahoma. So Lincoln Riley goes to UFC, and then uh, you, USC. <laughs> Dana White's not super fighting. pumped. No USC. Jake Paul fighting me. for all of us, including um, Lincoln Riley. And not only did he leave Oklahoma, Caleb Williams is transferred to to Oklahoma, and it's just like the SEC. It's the SEC, and it's Ohio State, and maybe one or two other teams. The fact that at least this is getting spread and the fact that some schools that are in cities where, you know, there's businesses and there's headquarters and I think with NIL that's the huge difference between making sure that this isn't Alabama every year. And you can see Alabama's already kind of getting upset with what uh, Miami and Mario Cristobal has been able to do to switch these recruits and take kids from FSU and now they got a top ten recruiting class when that wasn't the case. Um, I think with this being spread out and – you know, some of these photo shoots and some of these quirky things that like in a big picture and I can I can think of listeners right now, like, come on, man, we don't they don't need photo shoots and things like that. Like whatever they care about, whether it's right or wrong, yeah, they're the 100%. ones who determine it. So if, if a kid cares that like you guys are gonna give like there's good video games and, like, whatever whatever yep. random thing they're into. This is this is the playing field now, and that's going to be the difference. We're not knocking
1: the photo shoot as a concept. We're knocking the photo shoot as the exhaustive process that it's turned into because, like, we started a conversation with. But it, everything's exhaustive it was, one exhaustive co- it was the what, process. Right, but it starts as just an original idea, well, this is a way that we can differentiate, and then it becomes a battleground. And then people get bored of it and you move on to a different battleground and and kids change and get interested in different stuff. I just don't like the prioritization. But then again, who in this world outside of any college recruiting visit doesn't prioritize that exact level of marketing in their everyday lives? And so maybe it's me as semi-older person shouting at clouds, at least the digital ones, But it was just it's such a a different game when it comes to college athletics, recruiting your existence that I experienced less than a decade ago. And so I'm just incredibly fascinated by by all of this. Do you have audio for this video or are we going to play that later? I'm just asking.
2: We're going to play it here in a little bit. We're going to play it here in a little bit. I do want to bring up Brian Kelly and making fun of him. Oh, my
1: God. Yeah, because I I literally (laughs) didn't understand that video that went viral the other day where Brian Kelly was literally doing like peace signs over his eyes. Very, very close to a recruit as it was like a 360-degree camera just circling around. I'm like, what is this? Who is this? So,
2: the, Alabama, LSU, a lot of these schools have the 360 cameras that you see at, like, weddings and, like, fancy down at, montages. Goal, down
1: at Timo Arena, we got one. Yeah,
2: so, and what he's been doing with recruits is he's been standing there and kind of like, I don't know. It's to awkwardly me, close. Awkwardly, right behind them. They're doing peace signs like they're in a rap video. Uh, kind of very mockingly from Brian Kelly. Well, The one that went viral uh, was a recruit. His name's Danny Lewis. And, you know, you bring up how the the priorities of these kids in these photo shoots. Well, Danny Lewis is not that type of guy because despite LSU themselves and Brian Kelly posting this video and getting it viral, uh, Danny Lewis just switched and he's picking Alabama over LSU. The video got 8 million views.
1: Yeah, clearly he did not like how it came off. It was just so weird. I'd never seen anything like it. And so now that I had read the article a few days later and it all kind of makes sense, it it seems almost weirder because I just, I don't know why you'd have to be in the video with the kid, but I guess you'd want, well, show your friends. Here's me and Brian Kelly, but I, I guess that's. Probably me being apprehensive about the Brian Kelly hire. I don't know in why general. Brian he Kelly doesn't. would be in it. Like, right. let the
2: kid have his moment. That's right. what he wants.
1: Who's like who's no this offense. random white Ryan, guy? Brian Kelly is not somebody I'd be like, yeah, get him in here. I want, well, I want the clout. Yeah, I maybe, want the clout.
2: Maybe just a picture, not a month. That's why.
1: That's literally why that hire confuses so many people too, because it's just the personality fit is so different.
2: And that's why the world like it, it worked out in, in in the right way. Where yeah. he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to leave. There's there's no drip at this school.
1: Speaking of personality, though, like. When it comes to figuring out exactly who people are, somebody needs to hire this this young woman that I found a, an Instagram video from. Is, is that the? Is that what you was that we were talking about, or you forgot to? Load I, that in? We we
2: do not have the audio. Okay, I apologize. so that's
1: uh, that's what I was referring to. That's all right. We'll get the, to that later in the show. Maybe we'll do that for the National Girls and Women in Sport because she is speaking truth to power, but mostly just a bunch of guys who worship one other guy for no reason other than he throws a football hard, and now we're all going through the feelings, and so we'll save that for the for the very end of the show, but we have to get to our first break because we gotta talk to AJ Perez about Brian Flores and all of the recent developments. We'll be right back. Love 4 to the bat.
0: You found the Playmakers. Only on 1140 The Bet, Las Vegas. Hey,
2: it's the Playmakers, Adrian Hernandez, alongside Lindsey Brown, as we get some insight on this Brian Flores lawsuit that shook up the sports world. So on the line is senior reporter from front office sports, A.J. Perez. Insider calls are brought to you by driveway.com. Looking for a car? Go to driveway.com, where you can get pre-qualified, buy a car, and get it delivered.
1: Now, AJ, before we get into our our very necessary and very serious conversation, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I'm going to quote read one of your tweets that is absolute rocket fuel to controversy on our program. And I read. This won't be a popular opinion. No commish has done more to advance their sport in my lifetime than Gary Bettman. Yes, the lockout wiped out a season in his tenure, and there were a couple other work stoppages, but the NHL has come a long way. First of all, how dare you? And second of all, how (laughs) much of Bob Manfred's ineptitude did you factor in? Because Gary absolutely botched everything with Kyle Beach and still doesn't think hockey has a head trauma problem.
3: I mean, yes. And, you know, that's that's a part of hockey, though. I mean, hockey culture is like not take I me mean, that their their concussion settlement they're they got nothing i mean that and because there, there were no major players joining it at least mm. with the cte settlement there were flaws the race norming was so bad which kind of dovetails into the uh obviously what uh flores is arguing um that was actually in his lawsuit but the, the uh yeah there's the NHL's a different it just it go, it's a different sport but when i was you know the Sharks were already kind of on their way to the league. They're already uh, because the second season when Bettman took over. You know, but I but I wouldn't have been a Sharks uh, hockey fan if in San Jose if, the Sharks, if there was no hockey team there. Oh, and, and you're, you're a Sharks know,
1: fan, uh, AJ. Oh no, yeah, this yeah. is not the greatest of I, I starts can't. here in this market.
3: <laughs> that that was a great penalty on Pavelski. I will defend that to uh, Namuskin.
1: Well, a good thing he's in Dallas these days, huh?
3: Yeah, that's true. It's very,
2: very spicy in here. Uh, AJ, uh, let's get to this lawsuit. Um, First and foremost, I want clarification. Uh, It was probably the quote-unquote juiciest thing that a lot of people were talking about, which was the text message exchange between Flores and Bill Belichick. Um, But in terms of, like, legal ramifications, I mean, is this simply going to be considered gossip or is this something that's actual tangible that can be used in the suit?
3: I think, uh, well, I'm not sure if it's a, for this suit or it's, it has the, the most far-reaching impact, I think, could be the allegations that uh, Stephen Ross, the owner of the, of the Dolphins, offered uh, Brian Flores $100,000 per game to lose. That mm-hmm. is huge. It has implications, sports betting implications. It has integrity uh, implications, and it... The NFL, when I first started covering gambling 15, 16 years ago, the NFL was totally against it. And there was these kind of things came up. We like how do we know? I mean, like you know how how are we going to prevent? How are we going to make sure ensure the integrity of the sport? And here you have a lawsuit, and a second kind of a secondary part of it is this whole pain, pain to lose. And there's been theories over the years. And actually today Hugh Jackson, uh, uh Hugh Jackson the former coach of the of the browns kind of hinted that you know there was some of that going on there and how prevalent is that and that that throws off the competitive balance of the league it also makes people question and now with all these betting partners and more than half the states having sports betting it, 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 it people are going to start questioning you know the you know some of these games down the stretch where the one or two win teams are kind of just tanking it and now you know there's We've all known it's been you know, tanked for higher draft uh, position, but you know that's another thing too—to reward somebody to do it.
1: It's an endless series of unprecedented times, and where were you moments? And yesterday, it just feels like it basically owned all the ones that had led up to it. But it wasn't just the moments of, of convergence, but one of transcendence for Flores by offering that sacrifice, is it possible for the league itself to, or or I should say legally feasible for them to admit that they're wrong and and to take steps to rectify this particular intersection of inequality? Because it it has to go beyond the owners' meetings and saying, hey, guys, we got to do better, okay, team on three, right? That's what it feels like, that's all they do.
3: Yeah, I've covered a lot of these investigations. I live outside D.C., uh, and we saw what happened in the lack of a written report, but there was, but there was an investigation that took several months into Dan Snyder and the Washington, now, sorry, the Washington commanders um, that, you know, that there was an end result there. You know, it took two hours for the NFL to pr- issue a press release. And uh, from the time me and I'm sure dozens of other reporters requested it uh, for after, after the lawsuit was kind of made public. And, you know, they came down so harsh in saying, but it was without merit. And they, and they—they're—they're all—I'm like—I'm paraphrasing—they're all about diversity and inclusion and, and giving uh, minority candidates a shot. You know, there—there there are so many allegations in there that I don't think in two hours you can go through and say uh, definitively Brian Flores made—made made this up. Especially what you alluded to with the—with the Belichick tech met, uh, text messages, which are kind of right there, leading—leading leading like the first or the second real page of the lawsuit.
1: If you had to pick an organizational model out of any pro sports teams that exist, how and who and why they hire who they do to really act as a template. What, who is it and where do they get their perspective vision in your mind?
3: I have to go back to Al Davis and the Raiders and uh, Mark Davis carries that on. Um, you know, that's he's, he hired Art um, Art shell way back when, uh, back in the nineties, unless it was late eighties. It's been a while. Um, I was, I was, I was younger. Um, yeah. But so that, I think, I think that's it. It's like, you know, he was the, you know, Al and now Mark, now Mark there, you know, they had, you got, you had, you have Amy Trask in the front office. The the, the, the Raiders would be the one I would say that would have kind of is the model. Um, and obviously they've hired white coaches. They hired uh, black Hispanic coaches. Um, but so it's like, you know, they've done more to, uh, I'm going to say integrate the NFL, but it's obviously already integrated when 70% of the players are black. But um, but but kind of at least in the front office and 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 the coaching ranks, I think the Raiders have kind of led the charge, and and they've done it. They did it, you know, 20, you know, 15, 20 years before the before the Rooney Rule was around. I mean, look at Flores. Flores won a Super Bowl, you know, and he's not in the Hall of Fame, but yeah, for for for, for the Raiders. So yeah, I think I think that I'm going to say that, and I'm I'm not being a homer on you know, that either.
2: One thing I want to talk about and ask, so and you brought up the issues that that Dan Snyder in Washington has had with the league, and CTE, where it kind of seems like these issues, no matter how serious, whether for the players or just just organizationally and people, and how unfair that is for, for most, is that the league is kind of too big to fail. Do I, I have a sense that this could be different, especially and I know Hugh Jackson earlier today. Um, talked, and he's like, hey, I might join this this class action lawsuit, and I feel like there's tons of others that can. Uh, how humongous can this get, and, and is this something that can tangibly affect the league and not just, hey, we're going to pay out 750 mil for everyone that has concussions like they have in the past?
3: Uh, Representative Rush from Illinois is just within the last, uh, within the last couple hours is, is calling for a hearing on this, and I think there's going to be a hearing. It could be multiple hearings in front of multiple committees, At least on the House side of Congress, I think you know that right now there's a hearing tomorrow for the uh, to talk to some of the victims of the toxic workplace investigation, uh, workplace culture of the uh, Washington Commanders. That's tomorrow, but I think this is going to overshadow that, and and that's unfortunate because I know a lot of the women who were who were brave enough to stand up there tomorrow to talk about it. But this is going to be, you know, this is the biggest sport in in the U.S. This is a problem that hasn't been solved. The Rooney Rule has been around 19 years. And we still right now have one black coach uh, head coach in the NFL. The, the, the front offices are more diverse. The the coordinators are slightly more diverse than they were, but it's, there's going to need to be more done. And especially look at the Vikings. There was a report last night that, you know, that they, that they're going to be hiring Harbaugh and then they're bringing another coach in um, to, 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 uh, to interview. So it's, you know, that's, that's the whole thing. There's, this has been talked about, whispered about for a while where you just have to interview somebody. And usually it's kind of like a coach like urban Meyer or someone coming from the college ranks, big in demand. Oh, we got, to, Oh, we, we, everybody knows they're going to hire somebody that, that coach. And they, they still bring in and how, imagine how that felt for Brian Flores. And he, and, and he said, it happened at least twice. Happened with the Broncos too, where he knew he was, it was all for show. And that's not, that's not, that's not going to want it, Number one, empower your black coaches. And number two, it's like, it's just, it's, it's just It's demeaning to be to be honest
1: nFL too big to fail, Adrian says, maybe in my mind, too big of a fire, so now we have to set another one because it seems with every controversy, another one comes in to suck up all the air in the room as as you mentioned a j uh the hearing tomorrow with the oversight committee very important and and unfortunate how that just this news cycle works and how much hurt there is and how much inequality there is, and how there is actually hope though, because representation at the highest level in the owner's box, is crucial in many minds in socially legislating the NFL uh, into the next millennia because we are very much behind. Uh, You wrote an article a couple weeks back about Robert F. Smith as a potential bidder as a majority ownership stake in the Denver Broncos. How feasible is this transaction, and who or what presents the biggest threat to Smith achieving being the first black owner in the NFL?
3: I think Smith is going to be – so i have not reported this out yet, but uh, Smith's going to be involved in NFL ownership. I'm pretty sure at some point over the next two or three years, whether it's with the Broncos or another team. That you know, right now it's only the Broncos. Is you know, there are other teams rumored to be headed that way, but it's kind of right now. He I think he wants to be in. He may not the sit in Denver. May not be what he, for for some reason, which I haven't been able to find out yet. May not be to his liking. But it's the the there's a good side there's a good portion of the NFL ownership. Um, I'm not going to say what percentage. I kind of be a guess. But there's a there's a decent percentage that that want a black owner, and not just for tokenism, but to you know to to actually have someone in the room when you have one person of color with the that's majority owner, and then as a one co-owner is a um, is a as an a, an Asian woman there. Um, so you have basically thirty. 30 and a half white guys uh white white men and women um you know just they don't having at least one person of color in the room is gonna help and i think and I think that's i think that and that goes to show you know a lot of people are looking at, at Stephen Ross you know look at his background yeah he gave the Trump floppi there's really no major you know none of these owners have really racial you know race scandals in their past really um but it's it's just having the voice there and that's needed it it's needed um and you know, and I think it hasn't because look what's happened. You know, they, all the other efforts have not gone over well, um, have not been a success at least on the head coach level. There, they're may they probably will take us a couple. You know, some more diverse owners in there, but you have to have 1.2 billion dollars in cash lying around, and you know the you know the, the you know we see wage equality and everything else. You know, or wage and equity. You know, that's it, it takes a lot of money to just even bid on an NFL team.
2: Uh, speaking of which, uh, the Broncos and you just mentioned a potential owner. Um, I know that they're going on sale, and it's crazy how the timing works out with this lawsuit and them going on sale. How is this going to affect? Um, you know, are they still going to? I know they're still going to make their cash, but is this going to be a big dent into how much they're going to get for the team?
3: You, you, you're too big to fail. You use that term. It's, it's so true with the NFL. It's, you know, the concussions didn't did, didn't. Didn't didn't stop them. All the kneeling, even though that was, I've I run a USA Today. I wrote a story on how bogus that the whole ratings kneeling thing was. There was had a zero effect. Maybe a minimal point, a minimal. Pers- on how we equate those
1: things to 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 yeah. each other, to yeah, AJ but, as well, yeah, right? And that's right. that's part of yeah, the whole right. conversation.
3: It, it is, and it's kind of like you know this the NFL is so massive it prints money. You know, these, you know, these, these owners don't even have to, if if the owners didn't sell us a, a single ticket, they would still be profitable. That's how the NFL is, is, is the, the TV money's there. The betting partnerships are there. The sponsors are there. You know, it's what, this is what happened. The Washington football team changed the name. It was, you know, a racial slur before that, you know, 18 months ago, it was the, it, it came down to sponsors. It came down to, it, it came down to FedEx, came down to Nike and these other major sponsors saying we're not going to be part of, this team, we're not going to support this team unless you do something with that name. And that's what's going to happen here. It's going to be taking the Nikes uh, and those other major, you know, league partners, Fanatics, you know, and all these, maybe even the betting partners, to pressure the leagues. You know, we're giving you so much money you have to you know you have to reflect society a little more
1: i'd like to point out the fact that there's other things going on in the world outside of the world of sports that lends this to like what's going on with spotify and how we're seeing an exodus with artists and just this agency that everybody has do i want to be investing my dollars in this product because is this product investing their time and resources in the right places and 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 i think that's kind of a constant conversation we all have to have with uh ourselves as individuals uh, AJ, I, I want to lead you or, I, or leave you with a little more jokey question. Do you watch SNL? Are you an SNL fan?
3: Yeah, I, I've, I watch pretty much, I would say, three fourths of them per season. So, okay. like, so I'm, I, I'm, I may have missed one this season, so I'm pretty much caught up, I think.
1: All right, so now there's a little bit of redemptive quality to you then. If you had to pick one recurring <laughs> bit character or skit to best explain and entertain the current state of the NFL on Weekend Update this weekend, who would you choose? Any era, any cast member? Oh.
3: I'm going to go with Stefan. Yes! I think this is a yes! Test. AJ, um, I have a Stefan and, uh, flag
1: in here. You're my best friend. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay. I'm going to say, it, literally, it's, it's, the NFL right now is, is one of the clubs he talked about. So.
1: That's an amazing answer. Thank you so much for joining us, AJ. Uh, where can we find your writing and, and your social media handles?
3: Uh, my my uh, social media, my Twitter and Instagram are byajperez. And uh, you can find me at frontofficesports.com. Sign up for our newsletter. I had, uh, we had the story last night on the, uh, on the, uh, the um, allegations in, in the lawsuit from Brian Flores. Today, we had the—I I wrote about the name change really quickly. From since I'm here in D.C., um so yeah, sign up for our newsletter twice a day. Great stuff, uh, and I appreciate you having me on.
1: Awesome, thank you so much, AJ Perez of Front Office Sports. Insider calls are brought to you by Driveway.com. Head to Driveway.com today to shop more than twenty-five thousand new and used cars in Driveway's nationwide inventory. And on the other side of the break. Well, the Vegas Golden Knights won a game, and we got all-star updates.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Lindsey Brown and Adrian Hernandez, the Playmakers, exclusively on 1140 The Bet.
2: I had to bring in some sort of music, Lindsay. I'm sorry. We couldn't go in dry like that
1: worries we're all just figuring it out you might as well put it all the way back down because we have to say congratulations specifically to patrick f out of atlanta atlanta's getting all the cool things and people these days uh patrick took home $2,000 in prize money this past weekend as part of our giving props. And guess what, people? It is back for the big game. Whether you just played this free-to-play contest in the first three weeks of the postseason or not, you have a brand-new shot this week at winning $2,000. Just text PROPS to 20357. That's a great number right in the middle uh, to sign up. Ten new props have been posted around the big game. Adrian, do you have a couple that, uh, that wet your whistle to begin with?
2: Matthew Stafford. Over under two and a half passing touchdowns. Under. Uh, I'm, you're going under. Everyone assumes low scoring Super Bowls. Uh, Joe Mixon under over under just a half touchdown. Half so will he touchdown. get a touchdown?
1: Mm, that is a very very interesting prop to consider. And great thing is is that if you pick the most. Correct answers, you win that two thousand dollars. It's super easy. Most correct picks wins a two grand, and as long as you sign up at least fifteen minutes before kickoff, you have an equal chance at taking home the grand prize worth ten thousand dollars. Text props to two zero three five seven right now to make your picks. That's props to two zero three five seven. And I got to give the Golden Knights some props because they came ready to play last night. Right out of the right out of the shoot, Golden Misfit line was firing on all cylinders off the rush. You had Riley Smith getting on the board very early, and that game was pretty over uh, early last night. Adrian, the Buffalo Sabres are not a good hockey team, and you could definitely tell that Craig Anderson, uh, their netminder, was playing labored, perhaps maybe a little bit beat up, and uh, we're now in that all-star break. We'll get more into the game here in a moment here, but I do have an update when it comes to the actual all-star game because earlier today we learned that Alexander Ovechkin tested positive for COVID-19, so now two people are, on the banner outside of T-Mobile Arena that features some of the biggest names in this game. It was like Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, Nathan McKinnon, and Alexander Ovechkin. Two of those guys are not coming, among others. But replacing Alexander Ovechkin for the Washington Capitals will be one Mr. Tom Wilson. I'm sure everybody in the league is so happy. (laughs) They are so pleased with this selection. And The crazy thing is, is that Tom Wilson is actually a very good hockey player. It's just he sometimes gets too caught up in the extracurricular activities. Also, also, one Mr. Very own Jonathan Marshall also entered into the all-star rosters. Very excited for him. I don't know why he was added. Maybe it's just like an extra body. I don't know. Either way, we have some big-time events on the slate this weekend. Everybody and their mother are literally here to celebrate all of the all-star festivities. Pro Bowls. There's just sports everywhere. But last night... In addition to getting some really good play from the second line, which has struggled as of late, uh, I thought Robin Leonard looked awesome. I thought he looked better than he has in the last couple weeks. And granted, they were on the road last week, and I didn't watch a ton of their games because of the time difference, and I also have to do ha- have some semblance of a life sometimes. But he was a guy that was kind of overplaying his angles when they were they were still at home before they left, even overplaying. Sliding, really gapping out far into the white paint, which is typically not where we like to see Robin Leonard because he is not the most fleet of foot. You want him deep in the blue and making his reads confidently. And if he's chasing those pucks that far out, that he's he's just not that confident in his reads. But last night he had several several grade A chances. Be that a three on O in which he gave up no rebound, even though it was a, a try to the five hole or a couple of backdoor long bodies in the second period. The Buffalo Sabres scored their most amount of goals in the second frame. And so he was able to keep the Golden Knights in that game through spurts where the forwards and the D were just kind of like, I don't really want to be here. And sometimes that's what happens when you get out to a big enough lead. But Alex Tuck obviously gets on the board last night as well, scores a goal in his return to Team Wolverine. A very good moment for him and a very – uh good goal for him, a uh, 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 mature goal almost, because we associate Alex Tuck so often with carrying the puck into the offensive zone, leaning uh, right along the boards, leaning hard and and, and pushing his, his way into the middle, into the net front mouth, and hopefully just roofing it uh, uh, past the goalie. But he actually held up, took a shot from the dot. Usually it's I take it to the net or I shoot it from the boards to the outside. He went right down the middle. And honestly, I wouldn't mind if the Buffalo Sabres put a C on that guy's jersey because there's very few people that are as excited to play for the Sabres as he is. And just his positivity, I, I think the articles that were written about him a couple weeks ago where he talked a lot about the impact of Marc-Andre Fleury on on him and how he wants to lead and how he wants to be a presence in the locker room. And he's trying to foster himself into a very similar tool And with that, especially on a team like Buffalo where the good days are still very much ahead of you, uh, that can be the contagion that gets the energy going because he was still fighting for pucks even though they were down by three, four goal deficits. Uh, I also was impressed with uh, one Mr. Nolan Patrick who was on that top line centering Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty and on that power play as well, that top power play. He, zone entries, he... Did exactly what I had envisioned for him in, earlier in the season before he got injured and things just got wonky with this roster. But this is a guy that when he's playing confidently, and I don't think he's at his full sails yet, But and with players that have skill, that have vision, he he's not an anchor. He's not an anchor right now. And so if you're not an anchor, that means you can hang. And if you can hang, that means you can fly. And so I'm interested to see how much more time that that line is being given to gel. We know that Chandler Stevens stevenson is out for COVID protocol but i worry a little bit because stevie is such a speed demon adrian he skates that 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 line is so rush heavy and Patrick, he's a great skater, but he's a more smooth skater. He's a more of a of a glider, and so it changes the pacing a little bit. And so I'd like to see a few more cracks at that particular line just to see if there's that big of a drop-off production-wise with Stone, with Patch Ready in that changing of the pacing because sometimes slowing down is a good thing. But that is a, a, a line, and our team is built largely on the success of that stretch pass of those legs that get up and down those zones so much more quickly. And it's not like Patrick isn't capable or that line isn't capable. It's just... I don't think that's what they're asking them to do with their hammers. And so I was I was enthused to see him. I was uh, enthused to see Peyton Krebs swimming through bodies. I think he's going to be a, a great player and um, was definitely a worthy inclusion into that trade package for Jack Eichel. And I'm sure there are plenty of people salivating at the potential of him returning last night. He's going to be out a little bit longer, but it's almost here. And this is still a very good hockey team and a team that gets the wins when they need to. It was very important for them to get, win convincingly last night, especially coming off a tough road trip. You just have that one singular home game. You're hosting the all toughest All-Star road game. trip
2: in team history, Yeah, and, and,
1: and it's just easy to kind of let those 60 minutes go. And as I mentioned, at moments they absolutely did. But – as we were talking about yesterday, it's about saving your teammates' ass and showing up and putting yourself in the best position to do that. In some plays, you're able to. and some plays, it's a failure. So,
2: And I do want to congratulate the Golden Knights. Yesterday was a historic win. Uh, they became and they set the record in the NHL for fewest games to get to 200 wins as an organization. Uh, they did it in 337 games, Duh. beating the original Ottawa Senators who did it in 349 games. So. See, we take all your good things,
1: Ottawa. They just keep sending it to us, and then they just turn into completely different people and records and everything. <laughs> it's a great time to be alive, and it's a great time to be in the desert. Good thing we still got another hour of the sports. I'm for the bet.